everybody, no new episode this week, but we do have a special compilation going over some of the Geisho Oyama specials that we've covered, so please enjoy that. Thanks. We actually have a little special presentation here. We're going to be taking a look at the short story, Wait For Me, which is from... <gasps> What'd you gasp? No, I was in it's excitement. Exciting. Did you watch the wrong episode? No, no, no. I watched it. <laughs> okay. You're like, God damn it. I, I watched the one with the mini detective. Ah, no, I watched all of them. <laughs> you, you weren't sure which one we were going to cover, so you just watched them all. I mean, I liked it. So this comes from Gosho Oyama's collection of short stories, which is a special that aired March 17th, 1999. And a little background on the story. Uh, Wait For Me, it was originally published in Shonen Sunday as a manga in 1987. Uh, So this predates canon. But in the anime version, they hit a few references to canon. I don't... Do you guys spot them? Did you spot any of the characters coming? Yeah, there were a few cameos. There was... uh... Well, do you want me to go through them now? Yeah, yeah, if you know. So, Ron, there was a girl that was designed like Ron in one of the classroom scenes. Uh... Professor Agasa, uh, I think he was like looking out the window or something, and there was a Sonico lookalike, and even a Kogoro lookalike, but with no mustache. Did I get them all? Do I win? Uh, there's also a kid that kind of looks like Genta. That's right. Who, who uh, helps? Uh, who helps the guy carry out the mattress? That's right. Like a older version yeah. of Genta. Man, just Good imagine. Eye. Good eye, Colin. Did you see any of them, Kyle? I'm gonna guess now. I caught Genta. Of course. Oh, <laughs> of course, okay. you caught Genta. <laughs> Uh, I thought I saw Ron and Sonico, but like the thing, I just assumed they were all characters. the characters look alike. Yeah, right. I just thought, oh, they're just <laughs> characters that look like they are. So, yeah, I mean, even the main character kind of looks like a slightly older version of Conan. He does. So this starts off with a little intro, and it says it's the Go Show, like S H O W Oyama presents. And so I found some copy for this terrible special that i actually i absolutely hated this copy that they ripped <laughs> so i'm gonna read it it says go show collection reveals the origin of the smash hit detective conan go into his world and we will show you seven romantic and exciting <sighs> stories created by go show oyama Jesus. wow and i like puns so this isn't very good you know i'm gonna stand up and say that they're uh, they're using oyama's name disgustingly here Oh, and what about you, Kyle? Well, because you call him a hack, like, every other episode. Oh, yeah, I still think he's a hack, but, like, I'm going to defend him over this. This seems a bit much. Oh, okay. Pokemon Go Shoyama. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm a go. So the special opens, and we see a banner that says, The 15-year-old genius Yutaka Takai will attempt to levitate yet again. Do you think we were going to see a magician, Kyle? Yes. Yeah, the beginnings of Kaido Kid. Were you disappointed that we didn't? Yeah, I thought it was something like that. But honestly, I liked what we got a lot more. We then see the dorky kid wearing a jetpack, and we see some news helicopters filming the attempt. He jumps off the roof of the school, and he actually disappears before he hits the jump pad below. Ten seconds later, he reemerges, and his jetpack is working. And he gets called the Human Peter Pan. Everyone goes to celebrate with him. His little lost boys. We then learn that the device works with just two R6 batteries, which is the same as a AA battery. 
And Takai then looks at a girl that is standing behind the crowd, and they flash peace signs at one another. Truly the the sign of love and lust. <laughs> and victory. V. Also, we don't learn this girl's name for, like, half the special. Because he just calls her senpai the entire time. Uh, yeah, I guess it comes in a little later. I didn't even think about that. I don't know anyone's name. Oh, okay. This is going to work out well. Did yeah. you guys notice the batteries were Somi batteries? Yeah, Somi. <laughs> that was cute. I liked it. During the interview, he says that his accomplishment has nothing to do with age and that it doesn't matter that he's 15. Meanwhile, we see some soccer players menacingly looking towards him. Yeah, they're uh, Shinichi's soccer team. <laughs> he's actually a bully. Right. We get a title card and we see Takai in the science lab after school, despite all the students being told to leave. The girl then arrives and tells him to leave, and this startles him, and he drops the vial that he had in his hand into a beaker, which then explodes in his face. We then catch the duo walking home, and she tells him to stop calling her senpai. She asks if they're going out together after school, which causes Takai to blush, and then he gets hit right in the face with a soccer ball. Just... A smooth operator he is. Baller. Get it? <laughs> See, now that's a good pun. <laughs> yeah. I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she asks if he's alright, and then the soccer hooligan remarks that he thought a boy genius could dodge that, but a brat will be a brat. Then says that a first year student can't be going out with third year girl. The girl, she kind of seems like Ron in this scene. Uh, she stomps on the hooligan's foot, then she cracks her knuckles, she goes to attack them, but Takai grabs her hand to stop her, and he says, Tonight, at midnight, wait for me at the school's roof. He then hands the soccer ball back to the older student and says that he's truly an ace at soccer. While walking home, he says that today is the last time that they'll ridicule him. The girl then arrives on her bicycle and asks him what he said since she didn't hear it the first time. Skips to them meeting at midnight and she asks him why he asked her to such a place so late at night. And she goes, I got it. You want us to do pervy stuff together, huh? He then yells uh, that he's tired of being mocked for his age and that they can't go out as everybody would mock him because of his age unless the earth was annihilated. Also, what a like fucking made up problem this is, Kyle. That this dude's like, I'm scoring chicks that are too old. Oh no, I'm going to get mocked. That's true, yeah. This guy seems to uh, have his priorities out of whack a little bit. Yeah, he sucks. Um, Stop making fun of me. (laughs) Oh, I know, I'm just 15 and I'm a genius and I'm scoring hot chicks. Just leave me alone. Please don't mention me. (laughs) That girl's really sweet, though. He then says it smells nice and the girl reveals that the smell is coming from a plant that she's picked. Takai then says that he's finally finished his machine, and she asks if he plans on annihilating the world. <laughs> he says, no, of course not. Uh, but it will allow him to become her age, and that his trial today already worked. He says that the machine isn't actually for levitation, but is a time machine. Uh, what? <laughs> time machine, Kyle. This is so, so funny. He just lied to everybody. Actually... This is a time machine. Why even go through the hassle of all of the first stuff? Did it have a flux capacitor? 
it gave me Back to the Future vibes because it has like the timer on it that looks pretty similar. Yeah, what? But like you were saying, why was there a why was there a demonstration of it or an experiment? Yeah, what are we doing here? It was for something totally different. Yeah, what what are you doing? He had to test it. He had to test. Why are they the same machine too? Not only can it levitate, it's a time machine. Multi purpose. Just uh, I don't know. This guy (laughs) seems like a big old dork. (laughs) If you're gonna create one, why not create the other as well? In the same thing. Yeah. Seems like a a bit much. What you want your time machine without a cool jetpack? Or would you want the jetpack with a time machine? I want both, but, like, separately. Because what if I fuck something up? I don't like your segregation. The segregation. I mean, even Doc Brown made the DeLorean fly for the second movie. So See? I guess Damn. time Going travel with Doc Brown. That's a good point. Huh? That's a good point. Fuck. Y'all got me. Kai says that in today's trial, he went through a small time trip 10 seconds into the future. So now he'll go back two years so he can be the same age as her. He says that's dumb as wouldn't there be two of them in that instance. He then explains that the same person can't exist twice in the same place. And it'll merely replace his 13-year-old self with his 15-year-old one. And it'll erase everybody's memory of him. She tells him that there's no way to know she'll love some guy. So I found this really important because there were... I mean, there's different rules in different time travel stories, so I think it was really important that they established this. I agree. It's always on. one of the like biggest trip ups when you're dealing with time travel, because then there's like a billion plot holes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what rules? Like, what are the boundaries that we're working within? Endgame sucks. <laughs> she tells him that there's no way to know if she'll love some guy coming out of nowhere, but he says that he believes in her. This guy's just way too confident. He's like, "Hey, I won your heart once." cooler older me i got this no problem right i don't know if he should be that confident though seeing what becomes of him in the future although it would have been a different different guy so it's true he gets mad depressed he's about to jump off the roof when he says he has to pee so he just takes a leak while on the roof like a cool guy and uh she asks if uh it can also travel to the future as well he says it can, you just have to put the F position uh, is on the right side of it, the dial. She then switches it on and puts the machine on. He tells her not to mess with it as it's dangerous, but it'd be nice if they were the same age. We then see her take it and leap, telling him just three words, wait for me. Wow. Nah, I'm good. This chick's pretty stupid. Aww. Uh, it seems like a, a sudden decision. Oh, absolutely. But it's very sweet. It's I think it's coming from such a nice place. It's, it's like, oh, no, I'll take that burden. But of course, yeah, like maybe she should have sat around to talk about it with him. Well, maybe he should have did the same when he was going to just go two years back, you know? Also true. I would have broken up with him if I were the girl. Like, out of- I've been like, no, 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 no. We're done. Out of all the reasons to travel through time... This is really, like, a really unnecessary one. You know what this reminds me of, too? I'm sure we probably would have gotten to this later, but, like, this is, like, your name, right? Yeah, a little bit. Same story. Uh, Is it? Same exact. You can't find me on this. (laughs) Tyler doesn't seem convinced. I could never convince Tyler of anything. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but I think what you were saying about like she's taking the burden on, like I I'd agree with that because obviously uh, this guy, um, it's a big deal for him this whole age thing and age mm. discrimination, if you will. So like you know, <laughs> she's displaying her affection by taking the burden on herself, and almost she's trusting him more to remember her and still feel the same way about her that is true that yeah. more than she trusted her younger self to develop feelings for him so it's interesting that's a good point yeah she was really trusting that her pussy was good huh jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> was that in your name too oh yeah that's exactly yeah, what happened she was like this name. pussy's so good you're gonna remember it in two years, no problem. remember this name god damn it we then see Takai walking home, and he's worried that he may have made a mistake in his calculations. He's contemplating the possibility of her going into the past when an old woman interrupts him. For a second, he believes it might be her, but it's actually just a granny saying he should be at home by now. Honestly shocking. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Like, <sighs> I thought they were going to do one of those, like, uh, hard-cut jokes. So, it got me. The next day, he tries to explain the situation to her parents, but they have no recollection of her ever existing. He then notices that classmates are starting to forget about her as well, and he becomes worried that he'll also forget about her. He then does calculations and figures that she'll arrive in about two years. However, she doesn't know how to land, and she might crash into the ground at that point. He then vows to never forget her and writes hundreds of reminders not to forget Mamiko Abe in his room. He says, will I really remember? No, I believe it. I have to believe in my feelings for her. It's the only thing I can do for pussy that good. God damn. That's the abridged version. I'm just reading the, I'm just reading the translation. I don't. <laughs> That's exactly how it was. This is what I watched. This is what I watched. Uh, I don't... Interesting sight. <laughs> yeah, I think I watched a different version. You know how those fan translations get. That's right. Yeah, this might just be a bad fan translation. I'm just going <laughs> off what I watched. I can't can't provide anything else other than that. Good All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> the next day, he runs and sees the soccer hooligan. He tells him that he heard Mamiko went missing and mocks him. She probably wanted just to go because she was embarrassed from going out with a youngster like you. God, that's so fucked up. Yeah, he's cool. Possibly oh, murdered. Anime high school bullies are the same, I find. It's true. This really rem- felt like a Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, like uh, the guys who go after Yusuke at the beginning. Yeah, I was getting strong vibes. Yeah, same. Like they just irrationally insert themselves into other people's business. Like I don't even get what his motive Just to was. cause problems too. <laughs> like I have to honor, like save face for the third years. Like you can't date a first year. What's that? God, could you imagine that happening? Yeah. Yes. Look I mean, at you, you freshman. I don't know. There was no bullying at my high school. What about you guys? Oh, is that a Canadian thing? Nobody bullies. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Everybody's just cool. I think it's just like school. the decent human thing to do. I got punched in the face a lot in high school. Aw. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Some of them were pretty funny though. How, mu- how many of the punches did you deserve? Uh, Most of them? Two. two of how them many sure. were from Yusuke Urameshi? Nah, Yusuke and me were cool. Uh, it's the orange-haired guy that was always being a bitch. Kobara? Yeah. yeah. 
Cool Bar has a cat. He gets really sad when Yusuke is dead. Yeah. Yusuke! (laughs) Sobbing like a little bit. That's actually really good. Thanks, dog. Because I watched that episode earlier this week. <laughs> and oh, like wow. voice was kind of spot on with the dub. So. <laughs> no, it, it really was. It was like you just played that episode, that one clip right there for us. You know, I do Coke. Yeah, like this isn't like most Cobara. of the time we mock you, like when you made that door noise. Like, <laughs> but like this was actually legitimately. Like, <laughs> it's because I'm sick. That's why. Yeah, that's why you, you mashed his baritone. I get you. I got you. <laughs> This causes Takai to snap, and he punches the bully right in the face. A few moments later, we find out that her memory never existed, and she disappears from the picture on his desk. Even he forgot about her, and we see that he threw all of his reminders that he wrote away. Who does that? (laughs) Why would you just be like, what is all this? And you take it all down, and you're like, fucking what? Well, maybe her name disappeared, so he just had, like... Don't forget. (laughs) But in the garbage can, it still had writing on it. What if he just said, like, don't forget? Like, what is he doing? This guy's a genius. Big air quotes over here. Right. He can create a time machine, but he can't read a piece of paper that says his girlfriend's name. That's so true. He's a freaking idiot. Yeah, maybe that's what he had to do. He just had to, like, write, like, non, like, uh, proper nouns. Like, he just said... Hey, Senpai is going to be waiting for me. You know? And he'll be like, oh, okay, I guess I should do something. And he just think it's that soccer hooligan. Like, oh, great, I'm going to get beat up. Also, again. he didn't, like, write down specific instructions. He just wrote down the date of when, like, she was going to reappear. Yeah, fucking ambiguous. Like, he didn't bother to be like, hey, you should bring out a damn jump pad on this day. Yeah. Or it it'll ready. be in the courtyard of the school. Yeah, he really is not the smartest guy. The story then jumps two years into the future where a younger student wakes up to Kai and asks to have lunch with him. She then reminds him of what classes he has today and he says that he's tired so he's going to just go home instead. He then asks why she's always following him around and she says it's a maternal instinct. This guy doesn't deserve either of the girls that he's got. Truly. Yeah, what the fuck is even happening with that younger girl? He's just being she's a dick. W- way too good for him. She's yeah. just totally into him, and he's like, "Oh uh, yeah, I'm not really feeling it." Oh, that's how that's how I was in my high school days too, Kyle. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not really feeling it. Too cool. Nah, I'm alright. Yeah, I got a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend goes to school. Way. She's in another time period. <laughs> She'll be here. Yeah. Yeah, she's like two years in the future. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> The principal watches this goes down, and he says that two years ago he was a, he was famous throughout the country for his genius, and he remarks how sad it is that he's now a slacker. Depressing. Walking home, the girl wraps her arm around his, and he tells her not to get so close to him, as he'd be in trouble if his girlfriend saw him like this. She says that he doesn't have a girlfriend, and that he has nobody but her. That is the funniest thing to say to somebody, by the way. Yeah. She thought, she must have thought a lot about herself. You have no one but me, you dummy. You big dummy senpai. Oh, this is what I use on women, Kyle. I'm like, hey. You have no one but me, Tyler. (laughs) You don't have a boyfriend. (laughs) No, you don't. You only got me. You don't have a boyfriend. You only have Tyler. 
You're just like that doctor from the first episode then. Mind manipulation. Damn. Well, yeah, I nag them. I say, you're terrible. Jesus. And that just makes them want to get with you, Kyle. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's in books. Yep. <laughs> Pickup artists. That's where I learned all my ways. Oh, God. Takai then says that she reminds him of someone, and he overhears a mom chastise her child named Mamiko. He repeats the name in his head and says there's something about that name, but he just can't remember it. It's like Batman versus Superman. Why'd you say that name? Mm-hmm. Martha? Mamiko. Mamiko? <laughs> what if that was in Batman versus Superman? <laughs> Mamiko. Fantastic. What's that name? Mamiko. While hanging out in his room, she asks him to see his first-year math notebook as she has to study since she left school early. He opens it up and remarks how serious he was back then. He then finds a note to himself with the next day's date written in it. She then asks him to watch the stars tonight and tells him, Tonight at 9 p.m., wait for me at the high school roof. His words strike a chord in his memory, and he says he felt like he had heard it before then wonders what will happen tomorrow at 1442. The girl then arrives on the school's roof, and they look at the constellations together. She then brings up the Vega and Altair stars, the Chinese lovers that can only meet once a year. She tries to use this to cozy up to him, saying that they can see each other every day, but uh, he just gets up and he's like, I gotta take a leak. Yeah, he was really feeling the moment. Yeah. As he's pissing off the roof, he explains that it's what fertilizes the ground below, which... Really good camera angles on this, by the way. We really get to see good stream action. Yeah, so on the Cometown subreddit, Kyle, Uh this guy's been... (laughs) This guy's been posting updates on the shrub that he pisses on outside (laughs) for, like, the past, like, year and a half. (laughs) And I can tell you that it does not fertilize, (laughs) because it's just... This shrub is where he pisses on it. So yeah. this genius over here is actually uh, terrible. Yeah, he's killing plants. Wow, what a fucking... Piss is not helping stuff. What is his name? Uh, Takai. Takai. What a fucking asshole. It's never really explained why he started slacking off. He just got depressed. His girlfriend's gone. Well, he was only driven because people were mocking his age. <laughs> so without being mocked, he's just like totally cool. Yeah. He's just a cool I dude. I have no motivation <laughs> for any of this. That's kind of like me. I, once I lost my motivation, I was just like, fuck it. You're a cool guy now. Yep. Running cool. a podcast. Gather around. Tyler, cool guy, certified. Then ask her if... They had ever been up here before, and she tells him that he's confusing her with somebody else. However, he says that he hasn't brought anyone up here, and she says it must be deja vu then. Paramnesia. That's the word I learned from this today. I'm going to use it. He cuts to the next day, and Takai is wondering if it really was just deja vu. He feels like he's forgotten something important and wonders what is going to happen today. He then smells the same plant that Mamiko had picked when the younger girl yells for his attention from outside the classroom. After hearing her say senpai several times, he remembers him calling Mamiko that and asks the girl for the time. He only has four minutes left before she arrives, so he runs out of the classroom saying that he's going to the courtyard for a time travel experiment. How hyped up were you, Kyle? This is when shit starts getting real. 
it was cool but i was so tired of hearing senpai like i feel like this episode just <laughs> a billion times a second it's just senpai 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 like i don't know if i can hear that word anymore it's, it's senpai do out it's true i don't think we ever learned the name of the younger girl throughout this whole thing good riddance it's according to the wiki yuri shozawa yuri you know what they say about Yuri. What do they oh, say? Nice. Though? I don't know. It's like porn or something. Yuri and Yowie. <laughs> the teacher is shocked to hear this, but he celebrates it. A revival. The boy genius Yutaka Takai is reborn. I love that reaction. It was so good. He then tells everybody to go to the courtyard to help Takai with his experiment. How supportive. He then tells them to call the television people. He runs right past the younger girl, and we see the school staff celebrating as the number of students joining the school will double. It's uh, during this scene that we can see a little Professor Agasa lookalike. Kai grabs a jump pad, and several students help him cover. Uh, sorry, help him carry it to under the first year B classroom. The girl asks what's going on, and he tells her that she's finally coming back. His girlfriend. She's very confused by this ordeal, <laughs> and just stops chasing after him. <laughs> I think that's the right decision. He should have done this a long time ago if she, if he wanted to get rid of her. Yeah, just lose his mind. Just like, uh, my girlfriend's coming from the past. Yep. She's gotta here right go now. By. I gotta get a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get Genta to help me carry it. <laughs> He tells them to hurry as there's no time left, and then there's an explosion right as they place it. As he fears that he was too late, he runs over and sees it burning, falls to the ground and starts to cry, cursing the machine that he had built. And he goes, if only I had, about, if only I had built a jetpack and a time machine rather than making them the same thing, this could have been avoided. Right. Yeah, it could have. I believed it. I thought it was like, that was going to be a traumatic ending. I thought it was going to end in tragedy. We see the younger girl go up to him and she says, Senpai, your girlfriend's in front of you, isn't she? <laughs> Don't cry anymore. She's right in front of you. He looks up and he only sees the young girl. He laughs and tells her to stop joking around and not to say that. He fucking screams at her. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm done with you. <laughs> And she yells, open your eyes, senpai. Such a machine can't possibly exist. She tells him to let it go. And that's when we hear Mamiko yell to Kai for flirting. The queen's back. Uh, from the ground, she says that she got really surprised as it was night. And now we're in a bright day. And she says that she thought she was going to die. Takai then walks up to her and he smacks her. And we get our first instance of uh, domestic violence in the relationship. Plenty more to come. Was pretty taken aback, not gonna lie. Just straight up slaps her. I was surprised too. Like, maybe this guy's just a I bad wasn't. dude. I thought he, that's when I thought he was cool finally. I was like, you know what? Oh God, Tyler. I feel like this guy knows how to handle women. Oh God. He became the soccer hooligan. It's true. Yeah, he then calls her an idiot and says that with a single mistake, she'd be dead. The younger girl is shocked by the, that uh, his girlfriend finally exists and she starts to cry. She then starts walking away while Takai... Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good way to handle it. 
cares about her reaction. The girl then walks away and Mamako goes up to her and she apologizes to the girl. And the girl says, don't worry. I get over stuff quickly. So I'm glad for you, senpai. And then she runs off to cry some more. Uh, (laughs) Off to the next obsession. She'll be good. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of other senpais around. (laughs) There's a whole sea of senpais. (laughs) Mamika remarks that he really did wait for her and that he has become quite the man. Ooh, That slap really got her into it. She was like, oh, the old, the old, uh, Takai wouldn't have done that. She says that uh, she's not a senpai anymore, and then we get a still shot of them together as the uh, short story ends. What'd you think, Kyle? What'd you think of the slap? What'd you think of the (laughs) the love couple? Uh, The slap was surprising, but I thought, all in all, this episode, uh, this short, whatever you call it, uh, very lovely. I liked it a lot. Very emotional. Uh, Had its ups and downs, its twists and turns. There wasn't a murder, so I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there w- could have been a murder it's true it was very close <laughs> but uh you can tell a little bit of uh goshoyama's like style um or at least what i perceive to be a style because i'm not an expert or anything by any degree but uh you know the whole character of um whoever that boy genius was takai uh his sort of quirks how he's like an expert in a specific field it seems very much like what oyama does so um but like a precursor to what we are currently seeing. A lot of fun. I liked it. What do you think, Colleen? Overall, I really liked the story. I like a good time travel story as much as the next person. So this was right up my alley. And um, it was interesting, like the take on time traveling and how that affects people's memories. So I was very much into what was going on here. But um, I could see how some people might have a problem with it. I'm not one of them. Like, I wasn't bothered by the message that's being conveyed. But I can see how someone else could think that um, it's sending, like, negative messages about age or even perpetuating ageism and how, like, rather than accepting differences, you need to change yourself. And to boot, Mamiko left her family to just even out her age with her high school boyfriend. So... Even though it was a sweet story, I understand how maybe that aspect could bother some people. It didn't bother me, though. Well, her family probably sucks. True love's probably more important. Right, right. That was... Completely forgot about all that. I think that was what Goshoyama was going for. Well, maybe that's, that was the part of that story. Like, you're supposed to forget about all that stuff. Wow. In the same oh way God. they forget about I forgot about, about Mamiko. Mamiko as well. I forgot her, too. Yeah. I'm sure that like her family is like back to being her family once she returns though. So it's like nothing happened. That? Yeah, they just evened out their ages. <laughs> Chrono Trigger vibes too. I don't get your nerd references. I'm a cool guy. I don't play fucking lame ass JRPGs, Kyle. Oh yeah, I forgot you didn't play Chrono Trigger. Which is insane. But like there's a there's a girl genius character in the show who's like Takai's age, roughly. Uh she sort of reminded me of him. And the time travel stuff, obviously. I dug it. I liked this. Yeah, I thought it was a good special. I'm, uh, we'll cover the rest of the specials when we have to fill a one-episode space. I think they're a fun break from it. We get to catch up on some of Oyama's past work, which is fun. Yeah, that next one's dope. Stylistically, <laughs> anyway. I didn't really Did like the story. Watching? Yeah, I watched all of them. 
Oh, <laughs> you no. watched all of them? Well, like within the part one. <laughs> so like, oh, okay. I think there's three of them in there. Yeah. No wonder you were late to record. Yeah, I thought we were doing all three of those. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it'd be strange if we only did the one short. I can't wait for the next one. Uh, the wandering red butterfly. Next one has a couple characters. Pretty yeah. sick. Some I got hyped when I saw it, one. so I was like, oh boy. Yeah, so we'll cover those in the future, so you'll probably have to rewatch them, Kyle. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we move on to a Geisho Oyama short story, which is The Wandering Red Butterfly. This released in 1999. The special begins with a mustacheless Yusaku Kudo answering a phone in his car and talking to a young lady. Man, do you remember when cars had, like... I mean, Matt, how... Okay. How rich is this dude that he has a phone? I know, right? Car? So this is before he has a mustache and before his like fame and fortune, his novel career. So he must already maybe they come from a rich family. I don't know. Was that ever explored? Yeah. They have to. They have to. Because like they have like are able to travel constantly and like even if like he's a best selling author, I don't think most authors are that rich, you know what I mean? Especially writing just yeah. mystery novels. He must be really popular. And then like, Yukiko's who's retired. Who's super rich over mystery novels? Yeah. yeah. She's not bringing in any money. Unless her movies make royalties or something. The lady says that he knows her as she's the one who wanders on a quest for a new home. The Red Butterfly. She goes on to state that thanks to the two news, she has finally found the eight Frisias. However, they bloomed on the alley in the back with no sunlight, so he has to hurry or they'll die. She ends her code by saying, Under this sad rain that falls after high noon, come join me with a poem, and then hangs up before he can ask her a question. How confused are you by this opening? Um, so, I guess I didn't clue in that, oh, that wasn't a pun, like an intended pun, but I didn't clue in that she was giving him a clue until he started like listening back to it. I was just like, what an odd like sequence of sentences to be telling, saying to somebody. Yusaku calls her a silly woman as he was repeating the conversation, then plays it back and says that he's able to investigate from any angle. Plays the tape back and spins his car around as he believes new home refers to Sinjuku, which means new district. Then turns on the news on the radio to figure out the next part. He hears about the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Nishida, currently visiting America. He says Nishida means west, and then takes the west exit. He listens to the next part about the rain that falls after high noon in the poem. Yusaku says that Shogo is high noon, Ame is rain, and she is bone. He then moves on to They Bloomed on the Alley in the Back with No Sunlight. That directs him to read High Noon Rain Dome backwards, and he gets PRH, which stands for the Princess Royal Hotel. I think the fact that he was able to record her entire clue was a bit of a cop-out, personally. If he were such a genius mastermind detective, he could have just memorized what she was saying. Do you think it was fair that he recorded hey, it? Hey, man. Sometimes you gotta cheat to win. Cheat to win. Yusaku's a winner in my books. Well, that's true. Later on, at least. 
He enters the building and says that the eight Frisias must head towards her being on the eighth floor. He heads up and enters the tea room. Once there, he sees a woman's hat on the table and sits down. Is this like uh, where Conan's parents first met? Like, this is like the area where like Conan has that romantic dinner with Ron. Is it or am I? Oh yeah, no, it does. Yeah, now that you mention it, it did look similar. I wonder if they actually mention that it's in the Princess Hotel, the Princess Royal Hotel. We'll have to. Yeah, so that possibly yeah, might be we'll the same place. Make a note of that once we get to that episode. A waitress arrives and he asks for coffee. A woman in red then approaches him and he asks her if she's found a new home. However, it isn't the attractive woman that he spoke to on the phone, but rather an old plump redhead. <laughs> she's like, who the hell are you? And I love how suave he was trying to be. And then when he sees her, his reaction was just like, oh, that's not who I was expecting. Yusaku leaves the hotel and wonders where he got it all wrong. He goes back to the news and says the letter in news refers to four cardinal points, north, east, west, and south. I never knew that. Never uh, put that together. That's interesting. I wonder if that's how the word came to be, or if that's just a uh, happy accident. Yeah. Who knows? I, I w- I'm the same. Like I, in, Until it was pointed out to me, I never really thought about that word representing the cardinal points. So that was kind of cool. The second character is east, so he heads towards the east exit. By rearranging the Ramaji of High Noon, Rain, and Pelm, he gets Go Show Cinema. As such, he heads towards the movie theater, which is showing a doubleheader of Wait For Me and Santa Claus in Summer, which, of course, are the two other uh, specials in the short story collection. He arrives in the theater and finds the woman sitting in seat F8, and it winds up being Yukiko, Conan's mom. She chides him for taking so long and says she was wondering if he'd come at all. He says there were a lot of people on the road, and she says that the first film just ended and that they should stop meeting like this. However, he tells her to have some confidence in him as he's a great detective, and she starts to blush. And then uh, the episode ends with Yusaku introducing himself as an aspiring mystery novelist as the next special start, the uh, Santa Claus and Summer. What do you think about this, Colleen? You got to see Conan's parents creating little, like, mysteries for each other. It's, like, disgustingly (laughs) cute. Well, I was super excited to see his parents, uh, sort of the prequel before they were married and before Detective Conan even started. Um, the fact that, uh, Yusaku was able to deduce incorrectly, uh, the first time around, like, I felt, I felt like, uh, Gosho Yama was saying, okay, yeah, it's fine that he got it wrong the first time, but whenever Kogoro tries to deduce something and he, he uses the same logic, like, he'll, he'll take the clues and interpret them differently and he's wrong, but if Yusaku is wrong then it doesn't really matter it's fine he's still a genius but Kogoro is just a bumbling idiot when he makes those mistakes so it was like a little double standardy but it's okay um and also I felt like this could be interpreted in so many ways like is this their first date did they sort of the equivalent of meeting online did they like <laughs> talk about this and then this is how they decided to 
try and meet up or have they been dating a while and this is how they kind of that's the couple activity that they do i think they've been going out for a while because she says like we've got to like stop meeting up like this and that implies they've been doing it for a while it could or it could be like they they're role-playing or something like oh well he's the brilliant detective and she's the young starlet that he's pursuing and she happens to be just watching a movie at the movie theater and anyways like overall i thought it was cute um i guess i didn't know what to expect because i thought it was a lot longer than it ended up being i believe it was only about seven minutes long um i thought it would be long like like as long as uh the first special wait for me but yeah, wait yeah, for me. It's fine. Actually, oh, well, the fact that uh, when Yusako eventually does meet up with Yukiko and Yukiko's like, oh, you you just missed the first show. I thought it was really interesting how they sequenced that because Wait For Me was the first special and then it was this one and then it's Santa Claus in Summer. So it's almost like this is kind of like an in-between show and they're breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah, it works well as an interlude. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about it? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, so I, I looked into this, the original manga of this, that it's based off of. Uh, it did not feature Yusaku. It just was like two random characters. So uh, I thought like, by like, even though they kind of just shoehorned Conan characters in, I thought it worked well. I thought it like, uh, worked with like their type of relationship. So I, I really liked this a lot. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> found it really funny that Yusako's personality was a little bit different than, um, uh, what his personality is, like, older, like, as Booker Kudo, as Yusaku Kudo, like, the, the novelist, because, I don't know, thus far, I feel like every time we've seen him, he's been rather serious, like, he doesn't crack a lot of jokes, but in this one, he seemed a little bit more. Well, when you when you grow a mustache, Colleen, it changes. Oh, is that you. what it does? You just wouldn't understand. Oh, so what you're saying is that yeah. I'm never gonna be able to grow mustache. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But I can do anything that I put my mind to, right? Maybe not. Yeah, you know, I believe in true equality, so like, hey, girl, if you want to grow a mustache, you go for it. I don't know if it's physically possible, for me at least. I, I, I can get you on the hormones. We oh, can no. <laughs> I know some women out there are, have a real tough time with uh, that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't. So there you go. Colleen does not have a mustache. <laughs> that's right. The rumor, that's a rumor killer. Only in 2020 and does not Stop have spreading that around. Although you use it as a disguise. We now move on to Kinoshu Oyama short story episode 3, The Santa Claus of Summer. Uh, did you know anything about this coming in? I did not. <laughs> this special takes place in the summer of 1999. What a... What a year 1999 was. Yep. I was seven, and I was cool. What made you a cool seven-year-old? I was just cool. Just, yeah. Peak of my life. <laughs> Had dreams, aspirations. And a leather jacket. Now, 
now and now I'm hosting an anime podcast, so that is things the can go wrong. Pinnacle folks. of cool. Come on. So this opens up and we see a young boy named Kaisuke exit a phone booth and then reflect upon getting rejected by a girl who told him that she doesn't really like wimps and to not call her anymore. Boy, this was a this was a relatable opening here, at least for me, Colleen. Yeah, have you Oof. Have you been called a wimp before? You call me that every podcast episode. I just edit it out of the podcast. <laughs> That's so true. The listeners don't have to hear your abuse. I don't know. Maybe they would find it funny. <laughs> abuse just, is hilarious. Just call me a wimp so we can move forward with this episode, Colby. Okay, don't be such a wimp. Let's just go on. Kaisuke then rides off on his motorcycle like a cool guy after getting inspired by the cute idol performing on television, and he says, there's more cute girls out there. So I was like, hell yeah, King. Okay, can we pause for a second? I was kind of confused at this moment, because I thought that maybe the pop star was his girlfriend that just broke up with him. So he was like looking at the screen, sort of like, oh, I don't need you. So... I was going into this thinking, okay, this guy was somehow dating a pop star, and now he's not. <laughs> I just want to put idol would never, An idol would never break your heart. He was just so inspired by her cuteness. He was like, you know what? There's other cuties. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. See, and that's what happens to you, Tyler. So after I call you wimp, you edit it out from the podcast, then uh, a pop star or an idol contacts you every time but you're like too cool for them aren't you well i mean i am pretty cool you get that seven-year-old swag back that's right <laughs> and i'm like sorry babe and then you blow some white powder to watch <laughs> oh gee yeah I do some heroin drugs are not good don't do drugs <laughs> that's our we have we haven't done a smoking is bad messaging in a while, so. but it looks so cool. The same can't be said for heroin. You do not look cool smoking heroin, injecting heroin. Anyway, you're doing the heroin, not cool. Absolutely not. But smoking a cigarette, cool, dude, man. I was watching. I've been watching Jersey Shore, and everybody, you know, it's 2009, 2010. Everybody's smoking, and I'm like, damn, these people are cool. It was giving you serious uh, 1999 vibes when you were seven, huh? Man, like, that shows such a time capsule to a lost bygone era of 2010 and Affliction t-shirts and just reminds me of when life was better, Colleen. <laughs> that is probably the best review of Jersey Shore I've ever heard. I've never seen the show myself. All I know oh, is, like, there's the Snooky, best. and then there's um, there's yep. this one other guy that uh, is kind of well-known. I can't remember his name. There's Mike, the situation, there's Paul the situation. D, there's Vinny, yeah. oh, there's Wow, Angelina, Ronnie, Sammy Sweetheart, Dina. What a show. So, is this just, right. like, a group of people sitting on a shore? In New Jersey, like they I go, to, they get a Jersey to hang out during the summer, man. Get some chicks, get wild, get loud, and get funky. Party, no funkiness. No, no. funky. 
Don't be absurd, Colleen. <laughs> Jeez. So, back to the uh, summer Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be absurd, Colleen. Let's go back to this thing. So Kaisuke recklessly nearly hits an old man and his bodyguard exiting a vehicle and crashes his bike. He apologizes and offers to help them collect their belongings, but then he stumbles upon a gun on the ground. Uh, they quickly take that back and they search for a card, but they mistakenly take the boy's phone card rather than the one they dropped. The old man tells the kid to keep the can of liquor he has and to not tell anybody about them. They then walk off, and Kaisuke picks up a card that says EC4 system. What do you think was going on here, Colleen, early on? Because we, the identities of like who these guys are, all we know is that they have a gun and this secret key card. Like, what were you thinking was going on? Did you think they were like evil organization, mafia? What was up? I did. Yeah, I thought they were the mob. When I saw the gun, I was like, okay, he's mafia, and um, like. I didn't. I mean, I got the key card part. I just thought that this this guy was on the wrong side of the law. Upon entering an elevator, the bodyguard tells his boss that he gave him liquor rather than fruit juice, and he just laughs it off. He then realizes that he took a fifty units phone card rather than the correct one, and freaks out. We then see Kaisuke stumbling around the city drunk, and then he thinks about the girl again. He goes, "You may have dumped me, but I haven't lost yet." And he says that she'll regret it as he'll become a great guy. And then immediately afterwards, he yells at this girl trying to make a phone call and just scares her off. He's like, let me in there. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, he's so likable. Well, he's, he's, he's becoming a great guy. He's not already there. So right, it takes a work time. In progress. <laughs> we then see the old man saying that they need to find the kid and he hopes that he didn't use it as a phone card. We then see Kaisuke do exactly that. As he sets off a countdown timer, and we see a satellite in the air. The boss then gets a phone call, and is told that the EC4 target is right where they are. And then we get a little cameo here, as Kogoro can be seen walking past the phone box, and the boy gets pissed off when asked to enter a 24-digit activation code. We then see the old guy call the Prime Minister and ask him to disarm the Earth Check system immediately, and the boy keeps dialing the girl's number despite the odd request. And the police and the old man then arrive and he rips Keisuke out of the booth. And he asks him what number he inserted. But we overhear that the EC4 system will be activated in 24 hours, Colleen. So the world might get blown up. Yay. Great. <laughs> All because of this one kid who... um vowed to become such a great guy i don't think he's gonna make it in 24 hours you don't think he's gonna be a great guy well i mean we find out that he somehow pulls it off but it, it was very hard to watch this <laughs> did you not like kaisuke um i kind no i <laughs> it's not that i didn't like him i guess i just uh was hoping he was a little smarter <laughs> i don't know like later on we'll get into it but it just seems like you know things could have progressed a little better the special resumes in a hospital room where we learn that kaisuke is a student at sinkawa high school the doctor says that he has a slight case of amnesia and that his memories will return in two to three days that's obviously not good news as the earth is going to blow up in 24 hours so the old man's pleading with the doctor saying that mankind is in danger 
And that's when Keisuke wakes up. He says that he's hungry and then is given a full course meal from the old man's staff. The old man then recalls being told that to get his memory back, Keisuke has to be mentally and physically relaxed. As such, he'll grant his every desire until then. He asks Keisuke if he remembered anything, and he says he doesn't have any money, and then decides to watch TV. Keisuke then watches an idol perform on television, and says that he wishes he could meet Anon. The idol, whose name is Asuka Anzai, then appears in front of him, and he's about to get an autograph when the old man asks him if he remembers anything. Keisuke gets annoyed and asks him to leave, and then he exits. Asuka says that she's tired and thanks him for getting her out of work, as she has to perform way too much for a 17-year-old. What'd you think of uh, Asuka here, just randomly appearing? Well, after I realized that his girlfriend was not actually the idol, because like until this moment, I still thought that they had broken up. So when he sees her on TV, I was like, okay, I guess he's now gonna be, you know hanging out with her um i thought <laughs> i thought she was nice she kind of reminded me of um what's her name uh <laughs> the girl from yu yu hawk show maybe and maybe it just might be because of the hair um but uh yusuke yurameshi's girlfriend a little bit i don't know why <laughs> i could see that yeah i mean they're both school children Ke- keiko so. yeah keiko um so yeah i thought she was fine uh i was <laughs> i was kind of uh laughing over the old guy though because he could have just as easily told Keisuke like look here's what happened here's what i need you to remember but instead he's kind of and i mean this this is the the funny part of the story he's just kind of catering to this teenager's every desire <laughs> yeah what do you think about that as a like story element i thought it was really fun how he can just say ridiculous things and then it's suddenly there. I thought it was a fun story element, like even though it's ridiculous, but like I kinda like how they explain everything away. It's not like it's just magic or anything. They have like the whole nation working to grant his every desire. Yeah. No, it was definitely fun. Um just having that sort of I don't know, dramatic irony or whatever you want to call it, where we all know what's going on, but KSK doesn't. And the guy just chooses to, like the 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 old man just chooses to not tell him anything um where in reality it probably wouldn't have gone that way like so i i kind of had to in watching this like park you know park my common sense for a second and just sort of enjoy the story for what it was that it was just going to be a bunch of silliness i mean yes the world is in danger in this story but uh it was just gonna be about Keisuke trying to remember stuff um and I just found it funny that Keisuke like alternatively he could have just as easily asked the guy okay why do you keep asking me whether I remembered something but he just kept getting annoyed with him like go away old man like he doesn't even ask who this person is yeah it's a it's a fun setup here um so Keisuke says that they should have some fun so they go out on his motorcycle we see him being tracked by aircraft, and the old man talks about how Nostradamus predicted that the Earth would be destroyed in 1999, and that EC4 will do just that if KSK doesn't remember the activation code. Asuka asks to go somewhere more calm as they're stuck in traffic, and KSK yells out that he wishes that the traffic would be gone. 
We then see the army just come in and force everybody to evacuate on the road, and we learn that there's 13 hours left. KSK and Asuka arrive, and KSK can't believe that he isn't dreaming. He says that it must be an angel's temptation or a devil's trap. She tells him that she feels great, and he says the only day he likes is Christmas. Moments later, it's literally Christmas in Well, I guess not literally. But it's <laughs> Christmas in July, and the old man appears in the Santa outfit of all things, which I really liked. Yeah. I was trying, like, I was waiting for this whole Santa Claus in summer thing to come in. And boy, did it. Yeah, he's like, maybe I want it to be Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, to your point, like, how the whole nation was just, uh, you know, figuring this out for this one kid. Like, they, you know, made it snow and they decorated some tower or something. Like, just the, the visual of these, like, military helicopters, like, doing all this stuff. It, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch. Asuka says that if it's a trap, they'll have to play the game till the very end. Keisuke agrees, and he decides he turned the Tokyo Tower into a Christmas tree. He says it looks weird without snow, and suddenly it starts to fall from helicopters, and everything gets covered. Asuka plays in the snow, and the two of them make snow angels. Asuka then says that Keisuke is like Santa, as he can make any wish come true. So, here's my thing about this. They kind of have like a small romance go on here. Does she mm-hmm. only like him because he's, like, g- getting his every will and desire magically granted? Like, is there any actual chemistry here? Or is it just, like, she likes that he can make anything come true suddenly? Yeah. No, that's a very good question. And I feel like if this was not a short story, if this was a little bit longer and, again, more fleshed out, they might have had a subplot where, like, Asuka's actually being paid off to be nice to this kid. And then, you know, they she realizes, oh, she actually likes him, but he feels betrayed because she was at first doing it for the money or for the fame or whatever she was doing it for. So you're right. Like, I don't know. They're, I don't know if the chemistry was there all the time. Like, she just seems to be randomly hanging out with him. And I don't know if it's like a quote unquote fan service, maybe. We then see two military men spreading snow, confused as to why they're doing that, and then they're told that the fate of humanity is at stake. The old man is worrying about humans becoming extinct, and then Asuka says that Keisuke deserves a present. She asks if he'll accept the only gift that she can give him, and then we learn that there's only one hour left as defense satellite number 666 starts to open. The number of the beast, Colleen. Uh, definitely. Uh... Like, you know, we're in for some trouble now. Asuka tells KSK that she knows a nice place, and he drives there in the snow. There's 40 minutes left, and Asuka performs a song to an empty crowd. She dedicates it to KSK, and he gives her a flower before saying Merry Christmas to her. She starts to cry and hugs him, because it's so rare for an idol to receive flowers and be praised. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like the whole nation loves them. I mean, this isn't Yoko Okino we're talking about. She calls him Santa and tells him to let her fulfill one of her wishes as she kisses him. Uh, I'm sorry. It was a little cringeworthy. Why do you hate love, Colin? <laughs> I don't hate it. I just didn't understand Could've this Could have fooled love. me. <laughs> Well, the worst the worst is yet to come. Like, let's just keep reading and then you 
You'll see how more cringy it gets. She then starts performing a song as Keisuke blushes in his seat. The old man interrupts and tells the boy that he has to remember or the world will end. He asks what he has to do to stop it and is told about the phone card. The old man gives up and goes outside to enjoy his last 30 minutes. He's just in full, fuck it, we're all gonna die mood, which I respect. Asuka talks to Keisuke about Mr. Damas and says that he was right all along. Keisuke then says, instead of believing in that man from the past, believe in me! Wow. <laughs> then Asuka just awkwardly translates to talking about all her baggage as she says that her dad died when she was little. So Santa never came, so this is the first time she's ever had fun on Christmas. It reminded me of the one time I messaged this girl on Bumble, and like within two sentences, she started talking about how her brother passed away, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's why you're talking to me." Okay, you just need you just need a vent. You, this could be anybody. All right. Maybe like, she felt okay. connected to you. Why do you hate uh, love, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> I hate daddy issues, not love. Um, she <laughs> okay, so this is my <laughs> this is my point with the whole Santa and the kissing thing. And so she, like a lot of people, feel a connection to Santa Claus being whatever their dad or whatnot. But she took it to another level when she's like, "Oh well, my dad, you know, died." So Santa didn't come, obviously meaning like he was dressed up as Santa all the time. And then she kisses Keisuke because he reminds her of Santa Claus at that moment. Like that was the part that I was like, eh, Hey man, I'm Freud sure Freud that. says that people want to fuck their parents, so that's just more more evidence. Yeah, but he didn't say anything about Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> no, did he? <laughs> She then asks Keisuke if he has a girlfriend, and that's when he remembers leaving a message on her pager. He tells Asuka that everybody will now know that Nostradamus lied, and with only a minute left, he gets into the phone booth and inserts the correct numbers, stopping it with just one second to go. We learn that the message very cornily read, NEVER GIVE UP, and everybody is relieved <laughs> when the world doesn't blow up. What a dude. He was like, you want this girl dump me? I'm gonna text her, NEVER GIVE UP. Yeah, I don't know if that's like, um, I don't know what he meant by that. Like, he wasn't getting back at her or anything. I guess it was just like a, you know, uh, a pep talk for himself. Like, believe it yeah. or <laughs> never give up. Never give up. Asuka then hugs Keisuke and the city begins to erupt in celebration. Keisuke says that Asuka was picked up by her manager and the old man returned to NASA why does a NASA agent, like, have this? And why does he have a gun? Like, I have a lot of questions after finding out he worked for NASA. I was like, what? Yeah, same here. So, Keisuke's left alone, but he still has one thing, which is a card from Asuka that says, call me on it. And he does it, and to catch up as the special ends. Uh, wow. You didn't find this to be romance of the year, Colleen. Oh, no, no. Not Romance of the Year. Did you like this romance more or less than the other special where the kid time travels? Wait for me. I liked the uh, time traveling one better, I think. So I mean, you... I, I think I had a lot of negative comments. What did you think about this overall? Uh, this one? So, I I don't know. In watching it, I was just kind of wondering where all this was going to go. And I don't know if I... 
maybe enjoyed myself as much as I could have. I thought the story was interesting. Like the whole idea behind, you know, this kid accidentally setting off um, a satellite that will, you know, shoot the earth or whatnot. Um, but like, <laughs> it makes me, I just so, I just have so many questions. Like why would, so why would humanity even create something like that, that could potentially backfire on us? And why would you put the key in a card that could then be inserted in a telephone booth and easily activated like i don't know <laughs> i feel like there should have been a little bit more security around something like that what if you're not by a phone but you need to launch the nuke the fucking strike thing come on <laughs> that's right so how do you launch it then and like I don't know. So there were parts of it that I was scratching my head at, but there were other parts that I enjoyed. Like, and I'm and I can confirm this, um, but I thought that there were some like voice actor cameos in this. Like, I'm pretty sure Keisuke's voice is the same guy as Takagi, um, and I think the not NASA guy who. Well, I found you out- do know Takagi is named after the voice actor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's something I found out after the fact, and I loved it. Um, so I would recognize that voice anywhere because it's, it's my Takagi. Uh, I think the NASA guy who um, I found out was named Gray, but I don't know. We never actually find out his name in the special, I don't think. he Wasn't he the voice of uh, Kogoro as well? At least I thought it was him. And then I think... Um, Asuka's voice is Ron, but I could be wrong there. Anyways, I just, I was picking up on all those voices and thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Kage's done a lot of work. I'm looking at his, his, like, page here. Oh, boy, he has. He's in Final Fantasy VII Remake. He's done all kinds of, he's quite the prolific guy. I didn't know he was so, been in so much stuff. I wonder if he, Oh, my uh... God, he played, you know, Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> He's the Japanese voice of Eddie. Oh. <laughs> I can see that. Isn't especially that amazing? if he does it. Yeah. If especially if he does it like uh what he does with Takagi sometimes, wow. the kind of like whimpering voice. <laughs> oh wow, he voices Genta too? Oh wow. He does? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Talk about range. Yeah, I love there I, go, I love um Going through voice actors and actually seeing the different ones that, like, the different voices they're capable of. Because there are some voice actors that I find they're very, like, one voice, one tone, which is fine. It's just, I mean, it makes it easy to recognize them, I guess, from anime to anime, but or from whatever, from show to show. But uh, I like it when there's a little bit of variety. Makes it seem like they've got talent. So what did you think of this uh, this short story? So I'm like you because I believe in love, Colin. <laughs> I thought this was just a, a very fun, lighthearted special. And I was like, I, I ended this and I was like, well, that was fun. You know, and I was, I was like, ah, I can't wait to talk about this. And then <laughs> Colleen just brought it all down. Crushed my cute little idol romance fantasy. And I was like, geez. And then, but, but like, when you bring up your points, like, I can definitely see it. And then, like, in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, this is, they kind of, like, 
if you're like taking this as like a serious art, like the writing's pretty trash and <laughs> the relationship, you know, doesn't really make any sense and there's not much there. But I think just as like a an enjoyable special to waste twenty minutes, I think it I thought it was fun. So I, I enjoyed it. I love the ridiculousness of the whole army granting this kid's any wish he desired i thought that was a fun concept and you know st- like you said this is really rushed for like a 20 minute thing um so like you don't get to explore like more ridiculous notions and i feel like with 24 hours you could have really done a lot more here and i thought the amnesia thing was kind of stupid but i mean i get why they had it just to add some stakes right but uh, i i thought it, i thought it was a fun special you know regardless so overall i enjoyed all three of the uh the Gesho Ayama specials that comprise this one like uh DVD re- or VHS release. Do you have a favorite of the three? Um so for me it would probably be in the order that we watched them. So like the time traveling one and then the wandering red butterfly or whatever it was called with um Shinichi's parents and then this one. Yeah, I think I I think Wait for Me is probably my favorite as well. I'd probably put this over the red butterfly just because that was like five minutes and it was such an intermission <laughs> thing. Maybe if it was flushed out a bit more, um, I would rate it higher. But yeah, I, th- I thought they were all fun. I thought it was just all fun, lighthearted stuff. That'll do it for the Gisho Oyama short story special. Apologies for the audio quality on the second episode there. That was a, a fun uh, inside baseball thing. I had my wrong mic recording. So I was talking into my mic, except for my laptop that was several feet away was what was recording. So that kind of ruined that uh, episode, so I apologize for that being rough. But I hope you enjoyed the special. These are really three different sides of Gosho Oyama. It's fun seeing his creativity outside of Conan. And we'll have three more of these specials in the future, but we'll be back with a new episode next week. And hopefully we won't have to do a compilation for a while. All right, see you guys.